We're continuing today in this message series we're calling The Heart of Jesus as we uh, look at a passage that is a restful, reassuring um, like point in Scripture uh, for us, uh, especially in light of this crazy year. Uh, today we're talking about the challenge. So a couple of weeks ago we talked about the invitation that Jesus extends, come to me, all of you, who are weary and carry heavy burdens. That's the That was the invitation. Then last week we talked about the promise. The promise was, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. It's a promise that Jesus makes to us. And we kind of finished last week by, by you know, asking this, you know, does your relationship with Jesus lead you to rest or lead you to stress? Uh, what are you finding in your relationship with Jesus? If Jesus is stressing you out, you're you're not worshiping the right Jesus. Let me just tell you that. And the second kind of question we left with is, where do you seek out your rest if you're looking for it? So that was kind of where we left off last Sunday. And I want to go back to the passage again, Matthew chapter 11, starting at verse 28. We're going to read it once, one more time. If you've got your Bible, you can follow along. But by now it's getting familiar to you probably. Matthew chapter 11, 28 to 30. And he says this, Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. That's good news from Jesus today. When Becky and I got married... uh, more than a few years ago, um, I had just finished Bible college and she was in university and nurses training. And uh, we we had lived we lived about an hour apart while we courted. And so, you know, I quit my job and and moved into the city thinking I would just just find work right away, get her through through college and, and move on from there. Uh, had a really a struggle finding work until a guy from our church, his name was Dave, uh, took me on as his kind of apprentice. He was a, a carpenter, a Finnish carpenter. And uh, for the next year and a half, he taught me, uh, you know, the essential elements of his trade. And I will say this, he was an outstanding teacher. And he was a godly guy. And he was really funny and just fun to work with and, and just great to be around. And as I worked with him, I I made a point of copying him. So, as, you know, I'm getting comfortable in the trade, I started buying my own tools. But I bought the tools that he had. And I watched the techniques and I used the techniques that he used. And uh, and and I started to make the same jokes that he would make. And to this day, I use some of the same idioms that he used. He He, like, placed all that in my life. It would be fair to say that I took his yoke upon me, upon me and learned from him in a very positive way. It, it gave lots of good things into my life. Um, I would just say those were some of my favorite working days. Just really enjoyed it. And we, we keep in touch occasionally, um, even though we live far apart now. Other guys that he hired came and went. but the And the reason that the guys that didn't last were the ones who couldn't accept his way of doing something. Hey, here's how I do this. Here's how I measure. Here's how I install this piece. And they were like, well, I want to do it this way. And those guys tended to just kind of self-select out of the, out of the trade. 
Well, when you think about this in spiritual terms, lots of people want what Jesus offers. They want salvation. They want forgiveness. They want freedom in Christ. They want the power of God. They they want answers to prayer. You know, we want we want to live in peace and enjoy and forgiveness. We want the Jesus stuff. We really do. But unfortunately, and I mostly speak for myself, but I think too often we want those things on our own terms. We want to do it kind of our way. If I'm honest, I like to think, well, I know a little bit better. Like you think about Jesus, for example, Jesus says, love your enemies, do good to those who spitefully use you. Well, that's good, Jesus. But what I want to do is give them a tongue lashing or let them know what I really think or just talk behind their back or be passive aggressive about it or post something on social media. That's what I want to do. And I say, well, I love my enemies, but I'm just going to set them straight first. Right? Like that's how I function. And, and so that I like the idea of following Jesus. But when, when I kind of, pref- you know, go with my own plans instead, when I do things my own way, when I try to call the shots, it becomes not very satisfying in, in terms of a spiritual life. I shouldn't be surprised by that. So the way of Jesus is not necessarily easy, but it is good. I and mean, we are, after all, called to lay down our life, right? Jesus says, you know, give up your life, take up your cross daily and follow me. Dying to ourself. That's not an easy thing to do, but it is good. There's a, a, a paraphrase translation of the Bible called The Message. It's translated by a guy named Eugene Peterson. I'll be honest, I'm not a super fan of this translation, uh, but it's got a few gems in it that I, I like to grab once in a while. And, and this is one of those, this passage is one of those moments. He's translated this and includes this turn of phrase where he talks about the unforced rhythms of grace. That referring to Jesus' yoke. Let me read it to you. This is Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 to 30 from the message. He says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Okay, so we're going to call today's portion of this of this passage the challenge because once again, it's your choice. Like was the invitation... And then we received the promise. The invitation was, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. The promise was, and I will give you rest. And here's the challenge. Take my yoke upon you and let me teach you. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. It's from Jesus. There have been a bunch of popular challenges on social media, especially over the last several years. Most of them are dumb. Um, some are funny, like the plank challenge. Uh, this guy, so that's where you just find a spot, you lay prone in some public location, the plank challenge. Then there was the uh, cinnamon challenge, I think that's the next one I got there, where you're supposed to ingest a heaping tablespoon of cinnamon without drinking anything, and it usually ends up in a big cloud of cinnamon everywhere, it's a horrible thing, but it's hilarious to watch. Um, then there's the Tide Pod challenge, not as hilarious to watch, and just as dumb as you could be, I'm guessing probably someone's just said it as a joke, and then I think some people actually did it, where you ingest a Tide Pod, stupid. Uh, and then, well, let's see, we got one more. Um, oh, yeah, the Ice Bucket Challenge. 
How, how many of you actually did the ice bucket challenge when that was popular? Like 2014. I did that. I was on crutches at the time. You did that, Jeremy? Once. Yeah. I was on crutches at the time. I was recovering from a fractured ankle and, and my son dumped, so I couldn't get away, of course, dumped the ice bucket on me. Uh, believe it or not, that actually raised millions of dollars for ALS research. So it actually served a purpose. Um, but, um, then you've got all these TikTok challenges, probably most of them are inappropriate, but social media challenges are not going to change your life really, but the yoke challenge has the potential to really, really change your life. I want to talk about a yoke for a moment. Let's talk about a yoke. You may, may or might not know what this is, but, uh, you know, a yoke is typically in this context for sure, something that's placed on an animal or a couple of animals in this picture and you, it's necessary so that the farmer, um, you know, can can use the animal to pull an, a farm implement or or you know pull a wagon or something. Uh, that term yoke is also used in the automotive world in terms of when you need to transfer you know power from one place to another or control power from one place to another. You use a yoke to do that. Uh, uh, I've got a picture here of a water buffalo or a carabao in the Philippines. Some of you heard me talk about one of our pastors. He's just a rock star pastor over there. His name's Euler, uh, Euler and Carmi Evangelista. I love that his last name is Evangelist and his, he's a pastor. Anyway, this is his dad. Uh, he introduced me to his dad. This is a few years ago. And this carabao, this water buffalo, as you can see just behind the horns, there's a little wooden yoke. He's just come from the rice paddy. They use these animals in the rice fields and he's pulling a sledge of some kind. That yoke makes the animal useful. Without a yoke, the animal has zero field productivity. There's, it's pointless. I mean, you could have a carabao, but he would just wander around and eat stuff and make a mess. It's not until you put a yoke that it can actually accomplish something. Um, and, and by the way, it doesn't harm the animal to do so. There's no, there's no injury to the animal. Now, in Jewish culture, the people that Jesus is speaking to 2,000 years ago, this concept of the yoke was actually a common enough language, particularly referring to the yoke of the law, the the Jewish law, the religious regulations, uh, the yoke of the law. But you could also talk about a certain rabbi or a certain kind of body of teaching as a kind of yoke that was not uncommon for them. So it's not an offensive term, but you've got this really kind of radical concept that Jesus isn't saying, hey, come to me, I'll teach you more about the law or I'll teach you really the secrets about the law. He says, come to me, take my yoke, come to me, learn from me. It's about imitating his life, not just his teaching. What might be a little bit unclear um, is what Jesus meant by my yoke, take my yoke upon you. So there's a couple ways you could look at this. You could say, well, does that mean like it's his yoke, like, like that picture, that illustration of the, of the two oxen that were like, we're beside Jesus and it's his yoke and we're yoked together with him and pulling together. That's possible. Um, I think more likely it's a reference to, you know, his yoke, the one that he places upon us like that, you know, rice farmer driving the carabao through the fields. Um, and so he places that yoke, he can manage us, he can lead us, he can direct, he can guide your life. Now that image of being side by side yoked with Jesus, I don't think that's a bad image. I think that's kind of a 
helpful way also to think that in the midst of whatever you're plotting through, Jesus is right there with you. So I think it's it serves as a kind of a dual image that he's with you, but he's also the one with the reins. He's also got kind of that control over direction and guidance of your life. That said, it well, we're all under a yoke or multiple yokes, aren't we? Like when you think about the things that guide or direct your life, it might be the yoke of if you're a if you're a driven person, your work might be your yoke. It might be an addiction that guides and controls and directs you. It it could be unforgiveness. It could be the yoke of debt. It could be the yoke of past wounds. It could be the yoke of of attitudes, of selfishness, of obligation. Uh, there's any number of things that, that we get yoked to. We get yoked to people's approval, needing to please people. Anything that controls my direction or my decisions is a yoke, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, right? We'll come back to that. Second Corinthians six, fourteen says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? You know, in, in youth ministry, we often use this passage to teach kids about the wisdom of, uh, of you know, don't date somebody who's not headed in the same direction as you spiritually. Um, some of you have been through that. You, you were married and, and your partner was just not on the same page at all. And eventually you pulled apart. And so this applies to business. It applies to other things. Who you hang out with, who you partner with in marriage and business and relationships, it matters because the yoke is going to set the direction for your life and also even the speed at which you move and so on. So the, the challenge from Jesus here is to yoke myself to himself, to Jesus the person, not just the idea, not just the teaching, but yoking to him. Yoking to a person is not unusual. Marriage is, I would say, the best example of a kind of a side-by-side yoke because you're in that together. Business partners, it's another kind of kind of that partnership yoke I told you about. So that's the side-by-side. You talk about the other kind. I you know, talked about yoking to my, you, you know, this guy Dave. He taught me a, a trade. Think about this. People will stay in a job that they don't like very much for pay that's not very good when they have a great boss because they're yoked to that person. They say, I don't really like my job, but I sure love working for for Joe. I sure love working for Diane or whatever that, right? And conversely, people will leave a great job with great pay because they cannot, they chafe under, they don't fit the yoke of that person that's their manager. They say people don't quit jobs, they quit managers, and so you've got to really think about kind of that, who we yoke, you're yoking yourself to a person in those cases. And so the yoke symbolizes and can, I mean, not in extreme ways, but kind of closeness or even intimacy, trust. And the big word I think that's helpful for me is submission, submitting, coming under, yielding to that yoke, the person that holds that yoke over us. Um, and so Jesus challenge is to yoke ourselves to him. I, I, you know, I said in the, 
in the nine, nine o'clock service that, you know, I'm yoked to my wife, which means that, you know, there's things that I will do her way, believe it or not, there's a few things that I will do her way, even though it's not my preference because we're yoked and vice versa. It happens, you know, mutually in that way. So Jesus says, let me teach you, or a more direct translation might be, learn of me, or learn from me, or learn, learn me, learn my ways. Um, if you're going to follow Jesus, here's the thing. If you're going to follow Jesus, it should be reasonable for the people around you to expect you to grow, to mature, to progress in your faith, to grow in your knowledge, to grow in grace. That should be normal and expected. To learn from Jesus means he is not your co-pilot. He's not your BFF. He's not your little buddy. Now, Jesus is also (laughs) my best friend. He's also those things. But I want to tell you, he is your Lord, your leader, your, you know, teacher, the master. If you're in martial arts, he's the sensei. I mean, it's that sense of you come under his leadership and guidance. Now, what does Jesus teach? Teaches himself, his way of living, his, his, his way of caring for people, his his ability to have compassion even on people who aren't very lovable. That's what Jesus does. Learning from Jesus means that sometimes you're going to end up going places, doing things that are not popular with everyone else. It's the thing that Jesus would do. If you go, in fact, let me give you an example. Earlier in the chapter, in, earlier in chapter 11, the uh, Jesus is kind of unpacking some of his frustration, I think, with, with the people. And, and, uh, you pick it up, verse 18, he talks about John the Baptist. He says, John the Baptist didn't spend his time eating and drinking, and you say he's possessed by a demon. Verse 19, the Son of Man, referring to himself, Jesus says, on the other hand, feasts and drinks, and you say he's a glutton and a drunkard, and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is shown to be right by its results. Imagine this, if you're following Jesus and he leads you to hang out with some sinners, some unsavory people, some people that don't fit, that maybe wouldn't feel comfortable walking in the doors of a church. And those are the people you're hanging around with. That would be following Jesus. That would be taking on the yoke of Jesus, even though people might say, I can't believe she goes to that place. I can't believe he talks to that person because you're befriending them to show them the love of Jesus. So, how does one accept the yoke challenge? And I, I'll just be honest with you. I almost don't like talking about this because as I'm unpacking this, I realize that, man, I, I, I have so far to go, so much to learn in all of this. But, but I want to give you three ways that I think we can learn to accept the challenge, take on the, the yoke challenge from Jesus. Right? Three things. First is this. We do it by assessing our priorities. Assess your priorities. You know, we live with freedom in Christ. That's true. But Jesus' yoke is not a free-for-all, do-whatever-you-want. I mean, think back to the image of the carabao in the rice field. Without that yoke, it's a useless animal. And so I want to assess my priorities. I, I have liberty in Christ, but not license to just do whatever I want. There are constraints to a yoke. 
It means I don't just run off in my own direction, do my own thing. We really do, referring back to something we picked up on a few weeks ago, we really do live our lives, G-I-C, God in charge. That's always the goal. And so my preferences take a backseat to his priorities. I want to do my own thing, but he says, be generous, have compassion, love your enemies, do good to those who aren't doing good to you, do to others as you would have them do to you, and so on. God in charge. Are your priorities your own or are they his priorities? Assess your priorities. Just think about, you know, what's the most important thing to me? What's the, you know, my, you know, what take occupies all my time and attention and, and thinking? So assess your priorities. The second is to adjust your posture. Adjust your posture. To take on the yoke means to humble myself before the Lord. The, the ox, and, well, and before, not only before the Lord, but in front of other people. Think about that ox. The ox has to lower its head, right, to take on the yoke. It has to kind of yield itself, humble itself to the, to the farmer. So instead of acting like I have all the answers, which I've typically been very good at, right, I have to accept the a posture of student, of apprentice of a learner rather than acting like I know it all. A humble posture. It's a big deal for me when I was able to start saying, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's really fun when the kids are really little and they ask you questions, you can just make stuff up and they believe you and you think they think the world of you. But there comes a point where they, they know when your kids get smarter than you. That's a good moment. Referring back to, to my working trade, what I talked about earlier, I had to do some really menial, uninteresting tasks before I was ready to learn the more rewarding aspects of the work. Like being the guy to stand there and hold something uh, instead of being the one to create something beautiful. It's, you know, it's humbling, right? Being the guy to clean up the mess instead of being the guy to make the mess. That's humbling. Some of you know, you've been there. You were an apprentice. You, you know, you got it. When you're a servant of the king, you serve so he gets the glory. Not yourself. The servant of the king doesn't go around wearing the badge saying, I'm a servant of the king. You know that I, you know that I work for king so and so? The servant of the king serves for the glory of the master. It's a posture adjustment of humbling ourselves. So assess your priorities, adjust your posture. Third thing, activate his presence. Activate his presence. So when the teacher says, learn from me or let me teach you. Guess what? You got to show up for class. You got to be there in the presence of the teacher. We are in the middle of a grand social experiment right now, aren't we? In our education system. And while some students are finding a, a, a certain rhythm and and, you know, particularly introverts are just kind of loving being able to show up in class and, and not 
just do it all online. I, I'm told and I've read that there are many students that are really falling behind, that are really struggling at, at all levels from elementary through through university. It's a struggle for some, for many. And, and I believe that's because they're lacking the activation of the teacher's presence, including, I would say, even their classmates' presence. It's very hard to, to walk that journey uh, alone. We need to be present. Presence is essential for learning. So if you're going to learn from Jesus, take my yoke, learn from me, you've got to activate his presence, engage his presence. I like what Bill Johnson has to say on this. He, he says this in, in talking about how easy it is just to sort of learn from a kind of a distance. He says this, many people stop short of a divine encounter because they're satisfied with good theology. Many people stop short of a divine encounter because they are satisfied with good theology. So we fill up the head. We know, we understand, we get it. We check the boxes but the heart never clicks over and never engages. To, you know, we, we're comfortable to sing songs about God, but when we sing the songs that are, are, are singing to Him, we, we stop, we fall, we, we, we put the brakes on. We can, we can pray for a prayer request, but when it comes to just actually talking to God, we, we don't go there because we're not activating the presence. So, it's it's good to be faithful to 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 good doctrine and good teaching. I, I get that. We want to have the right beliefs, but you got to activate His presence. And if I'm going to take on the yoke challenge, if I'm going to let Jesus teach me, I need to be with Him. Presence matters. So, let me just ask you these three questions again, just to kind of wrap it up. Are you willing to, one, assess your priorities? Two, to adjust your posture. Three, activate His presence. That's how you begin to take on the yoke, to come under His leadership, to let Him guide you, direct you, manage your life so that you can be productive for the kingdom, so that you can be a blessing in your home, so that you can be a benefit in your workplace, so that you can be a joy to your grandkids or your kids. The good news, the good news in all of this is that when you turn to Jesus, He actually gives you the grace to trust in Him. This is an amazing thing. When I say, God, I'm, I want to trust you, He gives you the grace to actually do that. We take that step and He, He, He does that. He, He leads you into forgiveness. He leads you into a, a fresh start, a new heart. All those things. But it begins by saying, Jesus, I'm going to turn to you first. As you turn to him, he empowers you with the grace to really be able to have faith in him and trust him. And the things that are important to Jesus become more important to you than the things that were important to you before you came to Jesus. And remembering Jesus, remember who the invitation is for. All of you who are weary, and you carry heavy burdens. You're the ones that Jesus is primarily speaking to you. This ragtag motley bunch. He says, come to me. I'm going to give you rest. Take the challenge. Yoke challenge. 
learn from him. That's good. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you that um, you're speaking to me when you're speaking to the weary and you're speaking to the burdened. You're speaking to me when you're when I think of a stubborn ox who wants to do it my own way. You're speaking to me. And Lord, we want to be people who willingly and gladly submit ourselves, yield ourselves to your way and your style, your very life, so that we can be a blessing wherever we go, whether in the grocery store, whether in the workplace, whether at home or school, so we can be a blessing. I thank you for this invitation. I thank you for the promise and I thank you for the challenge to take your yoke on us. Help us to do that this week, Lord, to activate your presence, to adjust our posture into humility before you and to assess those priorities that we have in our life. We thank you for your great care for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.